Good afternoon, church. Good afternoon, Ecclesia. Good afternoon, everyone joining us um, this morning on our Sunday online service. Um, again, uh, thank you for everyone who just, by the grace of God, you know, uh, choose to remain committed to the kingdom of God, to the work of God in Christ that he's continuing to do, even to this day. Um, fortunately, and the good thing is, this is the, the, the beautiful thing about this series we're currently in, we are walking through um, very vivid descriptions of how Jesus Christ continues to do greater works than those which he did in human form on the earth during his time here. And um, we're currently in a section in the letter of Paul, that's based on the letter of Paul to the church in Corinth, um, that is dealing with exercising spiritual gifts, principles of exercising spiritual gifts. You can call this the sixth part um, of that section in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and we're continuing that um, uh, discourse today as we look and consider the superiority of um, prophecy, but as part of exercising, as part of the principles of exercising spiritual gifts. I mean, Today, really, following on from Alan's um, exhortations last week, uh, we had um, Alan Black from London City Mission here um, sharing with us and encouraging us. You know, following on from those exhortations concerning our presumptions that we might have about our spirituality and concerning love's challenges to our behavior and indeed a clear challenge to grow, to grow up spiritually, we're going to face some specific calls to spiritual growth, to spiritually mature behavior in the appropriate use of spiritual gifts today. So with that, let me uh, invite us to turn to um, the text we're going to be looking at or considering today on which the sermon is based. Um, We'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, we're looking at the 14th chapter, the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. Can I, I don't know if you have it in the, I should have said this before now. I should have asked, do you have this? Never mind, let's, let's, leave, it, let's, let's leave it simple. Let's leave it simple. You, you'll get the point. I was going to ask if you have it in the King James Version. Um, I guess I'm I'm kind of like just walking right into <laughs> walking right into it from the from the on from the onset. <laughs> and uh, as I invite us to read from that, but the, the the honest thing is I didn't intend to do this, but I'm just thinking why don't why not? Let's just do this. I'm learning too and trusting that God will give the utterance for what we're going to consider today. After all, we're all trying to grow up, and this is really, really timely. I think it is very, very timely that God brings us to this place at this time. And I was saying to my wife, 
She said, boy, it is, it's, it's just awesome that you are the one actually standing to preach on this section. <laughs> so praise God. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to read from the screen as well. I think I have the King James in front of me, but I'll read from there. The, uh, new, is that the new King James? Do you have the King James as well? You don't have the King James. Okay. Let's, let's leave it that way then. <laughs> uh, pursue love. Uh, reading from verse, we're reading from verse 1 to 6. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Um, and with that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, it's really amazing that in everything, Lord, um, even though you have, you know, right from very early on determined that, look, your spirit will no longer contend with man because he's just made of flesh. And you limited our days on earth. Yet still, it is you who have said, even through Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You've also said um, that uh, you greater works shall they do, especially those who believe in you, than those which you have done while here on earth. And it's amazing, Lord, that still in this time, we enjoy the personal presence and work that you do through the church, through your people, indeed not contending, but indeed blessing the body, even as we continue to, um, rather, more correctly, as you continue to walk your will through us, through the church, by your grace, according to your will, fulfilling your purpose and your plan, Lord. Lord, so help us even as we consider this text today, as we exhort ourselves or as, as you exhort us, Lord, because that's the way it really is. It's you who speaks. It's you who gives the utterance. It's you who gives knowledge. It's you who gives um, prophecy. It is you who gives even those that speak in tongues. Lord, it is you who gives all of these things that your will will be done that your kingdom will be established, that indeed Jesus will be exalted, that men will be saved, and all will come to the knowledge of truth. 
Lord, the body will be built up. Even so, Lord, we pray, help us as we commit ourselves to you, eagerly desiring and yearning to grow by your grace, by your sufficiency. We pray this and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, guys, help me keep an eye on the time. <laughs> I'm saying this right here because I don't want to just carry on flying like I've got a full tank to fly around the world on this. <laughs> okay. And um, <clears throat> I want to stay really tight and on point uh, as, as Paul is actually doing here in this section that we're looking at today. So, um, we get a lot of, like, like I was saying earlier on, um, the, the, it's, it's, it'll be helpful for anyone just joining us today um, to go back, visit, our, visit the podcast series that we have on iTunes, on sermon.net, to follow this um, series. But you'll find it extremely beneficial to see how there is a thread coming through this section just to see how God is doing his will through the church today. That is through you, through me, through every one of us here who are called, who have been added to the body of Christ to fulfill his purpose here on earth. That is the overriding uh, thing that you, see, you will see Paul emphasize again. It's, it's almost like the guy can't get tired of saying, look, and I'm paraphrasing here. But again, I said I want to watch the time. <laughs> He's repeating again from, from verse 1, right from the gate. Pursue love in using the gifts of God. Pursue love in using the gifts of God. From the verse itself, there is not much to see. I mean, from that phrase in itself at verse 1, there's not much to see. But going back to first. Uh, Corinthians 13, the encouragement is there. The presumptions are there. And this is something that immediately, straight, just going into, uh, just going into an application. For those of us, and this is really addressing the church now, because um, they are the ones Paul is addressing in this section. Pursue love in your exercise of spiritual gifts. God has given gifts to the body. He has given gifts to men. He, the Bible says that Christ ascended, led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men for, and for his purposes. I, I paraphrase there. But for the work of the ministry, not for selfish gain, not for showing off. You've heard, you probably, you probably heard, you've heard Alan last week, you've heard Denzel at the, at the start of chapter 12, You've heard um, Adam and, and Paul all emphasize the same thing. Not their personal opinion, but the resounding message of God in, as concerning the gift that God gives to men to work his will. It's not a new thing. It's not like Paul's just coming up with some new fancy idea. Even going back to the Old Testament, before Christ, before God came himself in, in the flesh to, to, to just show how this is done. In the Old Testament, you would hear Moses selecting judges, calling people from among the elders, 
and telling them, guys, I'm appointing you. You're appointed now. God is appointing you to give judgments to the people. The judgments you give are not yours. Don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism. These are God's judgments that you judge, not yours. So fear the Lord in exercising these gifts. And now in the New Testament, we're called and encouraged and challenged to pursue love in the exercise of these gifts. I mean, like I said, and I really um, call the guys, please just give me a hands up every five minutes or so because this can go on for long. There's every ten, ten, tendency to just want to try and bring all the last four or five week sermons into this one because the point and the emphasis is still the same on exercising love, exercising God's priority to build the body rather than, <laughs> I think I was listening to Denzel where he said, you know, like it's some kind of personal, personal token gift that you can just bring out and, you know, when the atmosphere is pregnant, <laughs> that was what he said. I mean, forgive me, I, I can be very comical sometimes, but it's, it's, it's nothing like Ben 10. Where the, where, where the cartoon character brings out some magic button and just presses it and boom, you know, he exercises the gift of God at, you know, at, at his own choice and discretion or his will wherever he feels like doing it. But God is actually the one working through the believer to exercise his grace um, to accomplish his purpose. But most of all, and the mature approach in doing this is one of love. So Paul emphasizes that again as he begins to talk specifically about some, some things in this section. So pursue love in using the gifts of God because that is the mature approach to um, exercising this. Now, question as we continue. What do you want to be when you grow up as a believer? What do you want to be when you grow up? Paul poses a challenge immediately. Having described the mature approach, he calls us all to grow up as believers spiritually. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Have serious intention about desiring and discovering spiritual gifts. If you've grown in such a way that uh, as a believer that you now have a fixed mindset about spiritual life, take care not to become stunted in your growth in Christ. It's not just about coming to be born again and, yeah, that's it, I'm born again. I made the confession and that's it. That's where it stops. It doesn't stop there. That will be, you, you, you will get to a point where you just get disillusioned and think, ah, so is this what it was all about? I just need to make a confession and then what changed? What, what difference? How does that affect my life? I mean, I'm still drawn and tempted to all those lusts that I used to. You know, it just, it just seemed like, why did I do that? Why did I go and embarrass myself in front of the church and make that confession? As if I was trying to please men? No. But there is a call. And Paul doesn't underplay it at all when he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. You know, I'm one kind. I'm the kind of a person that ordinarily, you really sometimes have to nudge 
and nudge. I'm, I'm still growing. I'm, that's why I say we're, we're all learning here. You have to nudge and nudge and nudge to aspire to greater things. Right. I don't know if anybody else can identify with that. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay. <laughs> but Paul just challenged these believers to grow up and to grow into the love of Christ. Can you um, imagine growing up to be one that also helps the body of Christ to grow up? Um, you come to Christ as a believer and you hear that to each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Manifestation is not some, you know, ex extraordinary big theological word. It's just, okay, an outworking of what the Spirit of God does. So, for example, um, Paul or Peter standing up at Pentecost to preach when there's a crowd of people speak, hearing other people speak in their languages, hearing Galileans speak in their Yoruba or, you know, or Igbo or what have you. Uh, Parthians and there were other, they, I mean, none of those languages are mentioned there. I'm just put, trying to put it in current, present day terms. Um, Paul stands up to preach. And that is a manifestation of this. That's an outworking of the Spirit of God for the common good. What we need to understand as believers was in this challenge is grace, the grace of God, the gift of God has been given to each one who has come to believe in Christ according to the measure of Christ's gift. Um, Paul, the same Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Now grace, we've talked about it again, mentioned it many times, and through this series talked about it, is a God-given capacity for service that we have received as Christians. Something that we did not have before we became Christians. Um, you know, from the sermon that Denzel shared on spiritual gifts, he challenged us to show that however well-grown we may think we are as children of God, <laughs> God is at work in us. God is at work in you still. God is at work in me still by his spirit. Again, and I'm saying it again, guys, <laughs> there's a risk here of trying to fit two sermons into one. But suffice it to say, and as a quick reminder or a call to uh, help and apply, have, have, go have a look back again. At the, at the previous um, sermons for the last four or five weeks and the entire series as a matter of fact. But understand this. Christ gives gifts to everyone who is a believer. And um, the evidence for this is there. I mentioned Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8. And Paul says this again to the church, that there are diversities of gifts. Why are we saying this? And you heard me praying at the start that um, Jesus Christ is actually working. I mean, how do you suppose God is doing his, his business here today? How do you suppose Christ is still at work 
in the world today. Is it the case of Jesus Christ got crucified, ascended to heaven, the end, and he left the church behind to fend for themselves and do it on their own, survive however they thought best or could in their own ability? Listen, I hope that helps somebody right now to understand that as a church, we are not left on our own. We're not left to our own devices. In fact, you are part of the church because God has a part for you to play in his work, in his ministry here on earth right now. There's, a, there's therefore a duty, like Paul says, earnestly desire with very serious intention. Find out what that is. There's so many ways you can think about this. I mean, we've had, we've witnessed several, you know, children born here at Ecclesia, and initially they come in in a bug, in a, in a troll, in a, I, say, I was going to say trolley, push chair. <laughs> push chair. Everybody goes oohing and ahhing around them, and before long, you know, you're standing and having a conversation and they nearly knock you and your cup of coffee or tea over. You know, they're growing. They don't stop if they trip and fall. Maybe they trip and fall, ah, oh, cry a bit. Doesn't stop them getting up, standing, trying again to walk. Next thing you're seeing some pictures on, you know, of their growth. Same applies for us believers. I said that to just make, make an analogy of the fact that we start out as babes in Christ, but we don't stay there. We grow spiritually. And part of growing is discovering what, it, what is it that actually Christ has given me as a gift or as an enablement, as a specific ability to work, serve, be a part of the body of Christ, whether serving in what, whichever area of ministry it be, whether ministering particularly, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, you see that in answering that question, we have to ask, when I said, what, what is Jesus Christ doing today? How is he doing it? Who does he involve? How does he involve you and I? Do you and I know the grace of God to us now that we are in Christ? What is Jesus doing through you and I by the power of his Spirit to minister to a broken world? So this is the challenge and this is the, this is the call that, Paul, that uh, Paul makes to the church in Corinth to ask, to, to, to pursue, to earnestly con to consider seriously. Um, and in, in trying to answer that question, you may already have an idea, but where has Jesus assigned you today? Has the Lord set you a task to teach? Even if it's teaching, to teach who? To, to teach youth? To teach a Bible study? To teach older people? Uh, to reach people abusing drugs and alcohol? Young single parent families, deprived families, or you may be such as God has actually prepared for you to reach people in Downing Street or in the Houses of Parliament, wherever it is, to seek 
to give young men um, seeking direction support and help. What is it that he lays or has called you to do? Now, um, Paul goes on to say, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now, he begins to go particularly to the needs of the church in Corinth, that you may prophesy. Um, let me just kind of sub- give us a, a summary of where he's going with this as I read the verses again, that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in, and I'm reading the King James Version, this is what I wanted to kind of bring out, but we'll see why, that in a, in an unknown tongue, speak not to men. I'm just going to read that just once, and then let me switch versions. Please follow. <laughs> One second. Bibles. Back to the ESV. No, back to the, um, sorry, New American. For he that speaks... Note the difference. Reading the same version again. Reading the same verse again. For one who speaks in a tongue. This is the New American Standard Bible. This is a translation that's um, faithful in translating what it finds in original Greek texts and bringing it to our English. Faithful in that, in that sense and faithful also in meaning. For one who speaks in a tongue, notice the King James Version talks about an unknown tongue and verse 2 talks about a tongue in the New American Standard Bible. Does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, um, let me just talk about the effects of prophecy as we can see from the passage. Verse 3, one who prophesies speaks to men. I'm going to come back to talk about tongues and uh, tongues again. Speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. In other words, he speaks to men. The effect that prophecy has and this is something that is, is going to be important in what Paul is saying here, the thrust of his message. It speaks to men for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, for their consolation. Those are the effects that prophesying or prophecy has. And Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth, desire this. You heard Alan um, and Denzel because they're talking about this, how in the culture in Corinth, from probably from past experiences of pagan worship, there, there was pagan worship that involved ecstatic experiences that had that that led to really loud and noisy uh, worship involving involving um, sexual. What's the word? I, 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 didn't, I didn't think of a word to describe this. I didn't want to say orgies, but involving orgies as well. Sexual worship. And 
this looked, wow, that's really up there, you know. So, and, and, and for the church in Corinth, for those who know about the gift of speaking in a tongue, it became like, okay, this is a comparable thing to that. And this became a gift that, wow, guys want to really exercise and carry on exercising. But Paul is encouraging the guys, look, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, that you may pro- especially that you may prophesy. And, it, and the reason is there. One, and note the contrasts. The one who's prophesying, like I've already said, is speaking to men for their building, for their encouragement, for consolation. And that's the effect that prophecy has on the body, for the believers. Now, but the one who speaks in the tongue <coughs> does not speak to men, but to God. Now, let's talk about this gift of speaking in tongues. What is it? Because no doubt it is of keen interest. And, but, but before describing this, something should be born in mind. I just want to set the stage or set my stall out regarding the gift of tongues and its twin gift interpretation of tongues. Something should be born in mind for verifying and validating those operating in this gift or in these gifts. Does the operation in these gifts glorify Christ? Is there ample biblical authority for the manner in which the, there's the operate in these gifts? Does the operation promote unity in the body of Christ? Are these things important or doesn't matter? Just operating the gift anyway. For those operating in the gift, do you, can you, is there an observable life of holiness, humility, and love? Am I just making up these criteria as I go? Does it result in permanent improvement to the individual and the church? Let's look at some marks about the gift of tongues. And the gift really is really um, <clears throat> people being given the faculty to speak in a language that is not their proper language. I'm speaking fluently in English now. Unless you are Okwani, you will not understand what I just said. That's what I just said. <laughs> All right. Now, but the marks of tongues. It consisted, there's some things that distinguish tongues that we can see from Scripture. It consisted, they, consisted, they consisted of known languages spoken somewhere on earth. Funny enough, Ukwani speakers might just pull me up and say, boy, your Ukwani is really rough. <laughs> it had, the, and they spoke in known languages that have structure and terms and structure and patterns. It's not just all over the place. And um, the the issue of unknown tongues, which I read from the King James Version, in actually in the in, in that in that text, there is not much support for the 
additional word which is really there to just aid the meaning in the King James Version. Unknown. There, there isn't much support in the original Greek text for unknown. It's just an added word in there in the text. That's not my personal objection. I don't have a hobby horse there to, to carry. And I believe me when I say of these things I am learning. I really am. And I'm excited because um, it's, it's really interesting how much we can grow spiritually in the grace that God has given us to be able to take part in what God is doing in his kingdom and what God's doing in the world today and be used of God to do great things. So it's not a downer on tongues. You will see in a minute. But they considered of known languages. They had structure and syntax and... Um, <clears throat> This thing about unknown, we'll come to it in a minute again. But it raises the question, because Paul says the guy who is speaking in, in, um, speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, you know? And no one understands, but in spirit he speaks mysteries. Let's come back to the context again. Remember Paul's been talking about exercising these gifts? in a mature manner, with concern for the body. Those are the things the gifts are given for. There's, but, but this particular gift is really, as we'll go on to see, um, it, has, it has specific purpose and specific use in God's plan. Um, <clears throat> but how do we account for these mysteries? What, what's that all about? What is it he is talking about? I just, I just told you about um, ecstatic utterances that Paul is probably referring to, ecstatic utterances that these guys have actually held up as a big thing. Ecstatic meaning these guys are, in a sense, just uttering things they do not understand themselves. They are, if you like, as, as, as the dictionary um, describes it, they are out of their minds. They do not understand what they're saying. In that, 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 that is the, the, the word that is actually defined or translated into English that way is um, a word from where we get ecstasy in English. But they are out of their minds and really expressing the praises of God, giving thanks to God in languages that they do not know. So in a sense, they are speaking mysteries to God. Not making this stuff up themselves, but expressing mysteries to God that other people can understand who, that they do not understand. Now, so, um, it's the same. It's what you see uh, a witness in the um, Acts of the Apostles on the day of Pentecost. So, we read of, of Jesus talking about mysteries um, to his disciples, saying, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. After he had described a parable of the sower to his disciples, and they asked him, ah, why do you speak in parables like this? He says, well, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. And the same thing in um, Luke chapter 8 and verse 10. 
Jesus describes, us. And remember in that time, he had a lot of opposition from people who did not appreciate or even understand or even could not tolerate his coming. Like, you're just coming to upset the show here. They could understand, welcome the Messiah, but those who everything he said was just in parables and riddles and confusing, that they could not understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Well, so when it comes to mysteries, we glean that, um, we begin to glean an idea that um, these are things which, they're a matter of which those who are not initiated or into, those who are not initiated into, and into the knowledge of, of what, the, what the things of God are, um, would not understand until they are brought into it. So, such things would remain, in a sense, secret for them until actually God reveals to them, this is what this is about. So, it's no wonder that disciples would be with Jesus, following him about, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ, we found him. And yet others will be plotting, stewing real bad to get rid of Jesus. Mysteries, indeed, indeed, mysteries. But at the... Um, um, but as we see, talking, coming back to talk about tongues, the listeners on the day of Pentecost, as we're saying, these are languages that people knew. They, they could hear them. They could hear the disciples. I've, I've kind of moved on from what the mysteries are and unknown tongues now to the marks of tongues again. We're still talking about it being known languages time <laughs> okay um, it be known languages somewhere on earth the listeners of the day heard what things the disciples actually know more correctly what things the spirit of Christ in the disciples spoke to their hearing Spirit of Christ in, Gal in Galilean disciples spoke to foreigners. No wonder the people were like, what? These guys must be drunk. They must be off their heads. They couldn't understand. But those who heard, knew that they were praising God, could understand crystal clear. Wow, what's, what's this? These guys are talking the praises of God's mighty works. What's going on? And then, enter another gift, which is another matter. I mean, Peter enters and just begins to break it down. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> L, they could hear the wonderful works of God and um, their response. They were all amazed. They were perplexed, amazed. And then something else about tongues. Second, uh, second thing about it, it's characterized by praise and thanksgiving that is addressed to God. It's characterized by praise and thanksgiving that's addressed to God. See what Paul says, one who speaks in tongues 
in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Would not be apt for... So this, this tool or this gift, this ability, when, and this is the point that Paul is emphasizing in this little section. Thank you. This is the, this is the, the just checking on the time. This is the point that Paul is emphasizing in this section. Think about this. Which would be more appropriate to preach the gospel? Try preaching the gospel in a language you do not un, um, you do not understand. Try conveying the message or try conveying or try teaching now, just imagine me teaching in Ukwani. Or imagine me teaching in Yoruba. A few people will understand. I don't speak those languages so well <laughs> either. A few people would understand. But it would be more appropriate for me to speak the language that those who I address as part of a local assembly, it's more appropriate for me to convey message to them in the language that they understand. And this is the point that Paul makes in this entire section. Uh, so it is really um, one that would be apt, it would not be apt for conveying messages to groups or individuals. Um, it wouldn't be apt either for preaching the gospel. Except, of course, it's in other circumstances that God chooses to do that, like he did at Pentecost. It was a public exercise anyway. The people heard the message of the gospel. But would it be apt for constant everyday use, speaking here in our midst, in something that you can't understand, you can't comprehend, you can't appreciate? I mean... It, it doesn't have to take you rolling your eyes like, oh, come on, <laughs> for me to get the point that this is not going anywhere. But as a means of praising God for his mighty works, well, perhaps. A third mark, it's intended, a third mark of tongues is intended as a sign to unbelievers, <clears throat> not as a sign for believers. Paul quotes Isaiah um, in later on in the uh, in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, where he talks about how God will use people of a strange language and a strange tongue to 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 preach the gospel to his own people. Can you see how that worked out? Can you see how? Look at how today, even today. And it's, and, it's, and it's still continuing. Even today, you have people um, who are not originally by God's covenant where he talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I'm not trying to pick on any, um, not, I'm not trying to pick on Jews per se. You may, you may be Jewish watching this. But listen, God is still speaking today. To his people. He desires men everywhere to be saved. And, um, but in there, God was particularly speaking to, um, originally to, to Jews. Because didn't the gospel first be, get preached in Jerusalem and Judea and then to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth? 
and Paul was always praying in his letters that, oh, I, I really, it just, it just breaks my heart, you know, that my own brothers, you know, people who have the covenants, who have the law, who have the prophets, you know, it breaks my heart that they have not come to Christ and talks about how God is doing this, even using signs like tongues to bring these people back to Christ. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing how God would choose to do these things. I mean, who are we, for goodness sake, to tell God what to do? <laughs> it's, it's, it's His creation. It's in His power. I mean, I was just, it was just amazing. We were talking with, um, um, we were talking with brother yesterday and on Friday. Just amazing how God says, God formed, the scripture says, God formed man of the dust of the earth and then breathed life into him. So who are we to tell God? God, come on, you can't, be bringing up, bring, you can't be bringing up gifts like this or, or bringing up special abilities like this and working in this way. This is how we prefer it. Hello? <laughs> Who's talking? <laughs> Leave it to God. It's God's business. This is God's world. You may say it's a God-forsaken world. Really? <laughs> you ain't listening yet. <laughs> God is shouting out loud and preaching. All them... Wackos, as you call them, that you walk by on the street who are busy sounding out the message of the gospel of Christ. Listen to the, those people. They are filled with the Spirit of God and belting out a very serious and eternal message. Hear it. That is not a joke. That is God speaking. Don't take it for a joke at all. At all. You know? So, one who prophesies... <laughs> Speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. He's edified in the sense that, wow, he's just, he knows he's praising God. At, at, at best, that's what he knows. He knows he's praising God. Especially where this is not something, this is not a case of he's had too much of something and he's just mouthing off whatever he feels like mouthing off. He's actually led by the Spirit of God to utter praise and thanksgiving to God. And, um, but he edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Again, see the contrast Paul's making. The focus again is, hey, pursue love. Find what your spiritual gift is and exercise it lovingly to build the body up. That's the focus. That's the emphasis. Yeah? Verse 5, as we move on. Now I wish, I wish, before you, so that you can see that this is not about hating on the gift of speaking in tongues. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Did you hear that? <laughs> but even more... But even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Can you get the sense of Paul's 
interest? Does God want the church built up? Is it appropriate to, you know, there's some, how can I describe this? You know, you buy kids some toys, right? Remote-controlled drone or something. I'm sure, I've never seen one before, had one, but I'm sure it would say, do not operate indoors. <laughs> you need to go outside. And you need to get, you, I think this is, you need to get a license, right? <laughs> you need to get a license. You go to a park. You need cones. You need hazard tape and all that to mark the area where you're just going to be operating the thing from. And before you can set that thing to work and get it to fly and take off, you try indoors. You're, you're bound to wreck something. You're bound to spoil something. But the man is saying, look, there are gifts more appropriate for use in serving the body. That's his focus and emphasis here. Okay? But even more that you will prophesy, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive where he finds. So the emphasis is on what will help you as a church. This, this of course, may be appropriate and specific, dealing with and addressing the local situation, because as um, the brothers before me have, have re repeated again, there was an issue there to deal with. This is a church that we've talked a lot about who had issues to deal with. And one issue was this thing about just, you know, I speak in tongues, you know, there was a big, it's almost like, and this isn't just me being comical, it's more like it was a big badge, big label. I'm, 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 a, I'm a superior Christian because I speak in tongues. Nah. <laughs> so, but now, brethren, verse 6, home run. If I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I spoke to you either, um, unless I spoke, unless I spoke, Unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching, what will I profit you if I, unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Let me just, let me just talk about some of those gifts as, as, as I bring us home. The point is this, the emphasis is still on, guys, there's a lot of work you need to do as members of one another, as people who are gifted, people who have received the grace of God upon your life in various ways. You may have received specific abilities, you may have specific areas of ministry, or even God working different effects through you. I want to come and work in your midst. I want to come to you. Or if I come to you, I want to benefit you as a member or as a part of your body. Here's a question for us as members of one another in this church. Does serving this local church, I guess I'm going for the bottom line here, <laughs> but does serving the church tire you out? Does it exhaust you? I, I, Alan addressed this last week, you know. Um, and those really are application questions. 
Does it exhaust you? Does it wear you down? And I speak to myself as well. I'm just, I'm, there's no mirror in front of me, but I can just imagine myself there. Uh, Paul is talking about ways in which, serving in ways in which the church can be benefited. And of these, he's also talking about other gifts, other ways in which the grace of God can be benefited or the church can be benefited by the grace of God upon lives of individuals. So, the gift of knowledge, let's talk about that, is the ability to perceive, to systematize the great facts God has hidden in his word. It's just so amazing. It's such a blessing. And I didn't get paid to say this. Um, and he might, I, I, I pray Pastor Richard would not mind me saying this. <laughs> but it is such a blessing just listening to Rich preach. Oh, my God. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, and you can just see the grace of God there. I, I know us humans, this is the thing. This is the thing about gifts of God, right? We receive a gift of God. And whereas God says that his spirit will not strive with, with, with man or flesh anymore, gosh, it can be a struggle sometimes operating in the gifts of God <laughs> because the flesh is still there. It can come and get in the way of the gifts. But here's an encouragement for us to be a blessing, to be a benefit to the church, whatever the gift is. Is it a gift of knowledge? You, can, you, you know the things of God. You, you, can, you can see gifts, things about God, God that are hidden in His Word. You're able to recognize those key and important facts of Scripture. When you, you take delight in, 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 in digging deep in the Word, you know, and bring them up. Is it to teach? <sighs> Please, don't throw the rotten tomatoes. <laughs> I'm not the best of teachers right now. <laughs> the ability to impart the facts and insights which the gifts of knowledge and wisdom discover and to pass them on to others in a learnable form. You know, I'll be honest with you, it's not something that everyone can do. And it's not a matter of personal ability, but it's a matter of God making the grace available. God gives grace to us to serve the body. God gives grace to us to serve the body. Let's, um, on this note, just consider God is doing his work. God is building his body. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's not here sitting in this room doing that right now physically but he is here doing that right now through you and through me let's pray <laughs> heavenly father we thank you we pray for your grace or rather we thank you for your grace we thank you for how you um, your word says that grace is given to everyone for the benefit of all, given to one for the benefit of all, and in various ways, 
with various different abilities, with uh, specific areas of ministry, Lord, and to various effects. Help us to discover these things. Help us not to choose to remain stunted in our, in our development as believers. Help us to grow up. That's what we um, have set our heart to do, even as a leadership here, that we should all be challenged to grow up and grow up to the fullness of the stature of manhood in Christ. So help us to do this, Lord, and let us bring great delight, let us bring great joy, let us bring great increase to your body and to your kingdom, even as we as a church grow up in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.